Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Teach us to pray. Man, thank you. If I could do a real quick prequel. Uh, so I was pastoring a church in the past that we were doing this VIP thing. And uh, I remember, so each time I'd ask the Lord, you know, who should I pray for? And I remember uh, a couple of, I could tell so many stories out of that church. Because as we began to pray, and we did that year after year after year, uh, there, there came almost like a tidal wave that builds up. So you get a little bit of fruit at the beginning, but somehow those prayers began to store up some sort of like behind a dam. And finally the dam starts breaking and crazy stuff happened. I, I remember one uh, woman who was uh, an Avon lady in the church, or it, to some of the people in the church, they began to pray for her on their VIP card. Uh, and uh, she came to the Lord. Her name was Ann. And then uh, I met... Uh, Ann, and, I, and so she told me to pray for her husband, so she ended up, he ended up on my VIP card, and I kept praying for him over several trimester kind of things, over several times a year, and eventually on Christmas Eve one year, uh, I remember we had uh, church, we didn't have church on Christmas Day, uh, so we had it the night before for Christmas Eve, and I remember I was standing there, and I went, oh, he's here, you know, this guy I've been praying for for a, a couple of years. And his daughter was sitting next to him. And when I gave the altar call, there was about eight people that came to the Lord that night. But he was one of them. When I asked for that, his hand goes up. His daughter's hand goes up. And I'm like, pray them through uh, to the Lord. And uh, so this is like 30 years ago, a long time ago. So <laughs> I planted a church 30 years ago. So it's probably something like 25 years ago. And uh, the great thing is I'm still in touch with, with uh, Anne and her husband. Uh, they live in Whidbey Island, uh, Washington now. They're like uh, church council members of the local Foursquare Church. They've served the Lord all these years. And so it, it was fun to watch that happen. Uh, just one other weird one on that, just to tell you the power of prayer uh, and praying for people. Uh, so I started praying early on for this guy. You know, I, I knew I would never actually lead him to the Lord. I didn't think I would, and I, and, uh, but I uh, had him on my list. And I said, Lord, I don't ever expect him to be at my church, but I'm going to pray for Bill Gates. For some reason, you just keep me praying for him. Now, at that time, he was just totally at Microsoft doing nothing like he's doing now. But I just started praying, Lord, all that wealth, he's the wealthiest man on the planet. He was at that time. Uh, and I said, uh, just let his money go to good. Let it go to help the poor. Let it go to change. You know, and I began to pray for him regularly. Let him come to Christ and let all that resource be used for things that you would want it used for. And so, weirdly enough, someone joined my church, uh, and I'm talking with him and telling him about this in a little small group one day, and he goes, oh, I went to high school with Bill Gates. And I said, you went to high school? He goes, yeah. He goes, we email each other every now and then. And I said, no way. And uh, eventually this friend of mine got to share the gospel with Bill Gates. Uh, I don't know if he's ever come to the Lord. I did learn that he'd memorized the Sermon on the Mount and that he has tried to live out the, the principles of the Sermon on the Mount. And you know he's probably the, one of the greatest philanthropists of our day, giving so much money all over the world to help the poor, to help people that are ill, help people that are sick, to help education. So I don't know if he's come to know the Lord or not. That's between, I, you know, maybe someday we'll find out he has. But anyway, I just felt like that the, the power of prayer, though, uh, could unleash. And, and I, I have known lots of Christians all over the earth that have gotten resources through the Gates Foundation and have used those resources in kingdom ways. So I do know at least that that's, you know, so anyway, Watch out. When you start praying, crazy stuff starts happening. How many of you notice that there are things that happen when we pray that don't happen if we don't pray? Or uh, say another way, have you ever noticed that when you pray more, you begin to have more things that you can't explain any other way? All right, so there, there's something about it. It requires faith because it's never one of these automatic things like, you know, every time you pray, there's an exact answer just like you were thinking. But it seems to change the atmosphere of life around you. And so it, it, it's, it's, 
it's foggy enough that it's going to always require faith. And it never becomes just some sort of automatic thing where you just go, uh, you know, I just pull this lever and I get what I want every time. You know, I hit this button, G3. You know, every time I hit G3, I get this candy bar, you know. And so prayer's not like that. It's a relationship with God, and it's like a relationship with your spouse. You know, you don't get everything all the time just the way you want it. You know, you have to work things out, and you have to sort of discover uh, where, your, where your purpose is collaborate and where you work. So we're always trying to discover God's will. Like where uh, can my will and his will kind of match up and I can pray according to his will and then I know that I have what I ask for. I know he'll, he'll do it. So today I'm going to talk about a kind of prayer that I think, I mean, if I only could give one sermon in my life, I think this might be it. I remember uh, one of the last times I preached this sermon uh, I had gone to a doctor, and uh, it took me six months to get in to see her. Uh, she's in Upland. I had read, I, see, I kept seeing her name at the back of various books on health and wholeness and life. And so she's a, a full medical doctor. Uh, she's a Christian, although I don't know how deep of a Christian. Uh, anyway, she, she is a believer. And it took me six months to get in, you know, from the time I got an appointment, you could not see her for at least six months. She's so lined up with people wanting to see her. She's, cause she's a holistic me- uh, doctor. She's fully educated in, you know, as an MD, but then she's got all this other education in using broader, uh, understandings than just medical science alone. So anyway, I finally get in to see her. I, I'm just having a checkup. I thought I, you know, I was, I, I guess I was about 50 and I thought I want to have one of those checkups that, you know, learn some new things, you know, like really be healthy because I'm getting old and uh, I need to figure this out. And so um, <clears throat> anyway, I, I'm talking to her and, 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 and she learns that I'm a pastor and she says, oh, tell me about more about your church. I said, well, I said this last Sunday I preached a sermon on, on uh, Thanksgiving. And she said, oh, tell me about that. She said, and then she said this, she said, if, if I could teach the people that come to see me Thanksgiving, probably more than half of them would not need to come see me. I said, can I quote you on that? She said, sure. I said, I will someday. Don't believe, believe me. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about something today. Uh, I think, let's see, I titled it the, uh, the, enjoy, the Enjoy Life Prayer. I mean, not only does God teach us that we enjoy life more if we learn this prayer, even medical science has discovered that people who don't even know God who practice this prayer enjoy life more. God wired us so that we have this uh, tendency toward negativity. You, you think, God, why did you do that? Well, first of all, uh, we have to survive, right? Before we can thrive, we have to survive. If we don't survive, we do not thrive, right? So in our brains, there's what's called stickiness. You could Google this, and you'll, you'll have like tons of research just pop up. It'll show you all the different things that various psychologists and psychiatrists and scientists have done uh, to discover this. Uh, but we have a stickiness in our brain that attaches to negative experiences and negative truths and negative uh, information way stronger and way easier than positive. Now, this saves our life. Okay, uh, especially if we ever grew up in any trauma, we're like even multiplied versions of this. Because somewhere along the line, the ability to see the negative and stay safe caused us to survive, right? Uh, we were able to get out of the room before the big fight happened, before the gun came out, before the police were called. We were able to, uh, you know, uh, get away from the people who were dangerous in our neighborhood. We were able, you know, and there were, our, our brains are scanning and looking and trying to, you know, find all the negative, all the danger, all the things that could harm us and hurt us. You know, we, we, we burn our hand on the stove and, we, and our, our hand learns to be quicker. So the next time we touch the stove, our hand moves before we even think, I just burned my hand we hands already moved because our brain is wired to to learn from these negative things but God said I got to teach you something else to thrive because he had to put that in us so we would survive but then to thrive he tells us we have to we have to be intentional so now it becomes a point of obedience a point of intentionality a point of so you don't have to do anything to be negative have you ever noticed that 
I mean, it just comes so natural. You know, you may not notice it about yourself, but you look at your spouse, you go, why do you have to be so negative? You know, it's like, <laughs> right? Or your friends, or whoever else, or your parents, or your children. Why do you have to be so negative? You know, <laughs> well, because I learned it from you. Oh, yeah. My daughter's here. She could admit to that one. Or I could, I'd have to admit to that one. So uh, we model a lot of negativity. So we have to really be purposeful to do the opposite. Now, this is interesting. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the uh, first screen or the next screen. Oh, I think there was one that with a verse uh, first. Or maybe. There it is. Yeah, rejoice always. This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So we were singing, Lord, give me, help me to know your will. Now, I don't know God's will for all of you in a lot of ways, but I absolutely know his will for you in one way today. How many of you would like to know the will of God for your life? All right, if you get nothing else right, but you get this one right, I promise you the rest will find its way into your life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all, wait, that can't be right. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It sounds like what James said, you know, when he was telling about wisdom in his book, and he says, you know, rejoice in the Lord. You know, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, you know, to have this attitude that even in all circumstances, by the way, I looked up the Greek word behind the word all, and dang it, it means all. <laughs> I mean everything. It's like there are no exceptions. It's just all. That's, that's usually my go-to in those moments of negativity, isn't it yours? I just immediately think, ah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> This is the day, this is the day. I mean, that's immediately what I think, right? When the bank account's not so good, when the, the relationship's not so good, when, whew, when there's troubles with children and grandchildren. Did any of you bring any troubles with you today? Anything negative, anything that you're hoping to survive, anything you're hoping to get through? All right, there is something incredible because we're going to talk about this natural thing God's built into the universe where it actually works for even lost people. I mean, it's just his principle and it works for everybody and the science can back it up that an attitude of gratitude changes your happiness. It changes a a lot of things. Let's go ahead and go to that. Uh, I'm just, and by the way, you can Google this and you will just have, I mean, you'll you'll find so many YouTubes and and, uh, research things. I mean, you forever you can just be reading all the things that gratitude does. But I'm just taking from Dr. Daniel Amen's book. He's a a spirit-filled Christian. He went to Oral Roberts University. He's also known, he was listed the other day in Psychology Today as the most famous psychiatrist in America. And I love that, that he's a spirit-filled Christian. Uh, and he has a, a clinic uh, here in Southern California and five or six more around the, the, the uh, nation. But in his book, which was put out last November, called Feel Better Fast and Make It Last, he has a little section on Thanksgiving uh, and, and, and gratitude. And here's what he says, uh, and he shows all the research. I mean, he's got, he's, it's one of those books that has like 100, 200 footnotes per chapter you know, so I'll let you go there on your own if you want. But happiness, these are some of the things that are absolutely proven by science that gratitude does. Maybe we'll begin to understand why God says this is his will. Happiness, more well-being, better mood, self-esteem, higher resilience, more spirituality, higher generosity, more optimism, more friendships, better marriage, better careers, more productivity, better networking, more achieving of goals, less pain, even things like pain. Uh, better decision-making, resistance to stress, less envy, reduce, reduction of materialism, better sleep, an improvement of depression, increased satisfaction, ki- more kindness, lower inflammation, uh, at, uh, additional energy, less substance abuse, less self-centeredness, better health, better, better physical appearance? Yeah, they've actually proven that. They found that when people were more thankful, other people uh, would take a picture while they were practicing Thanksgiving, and whatever it did to their face and whatever it did to kind of re- remove the lines or something, people would go, they, they would pick the two pictures, they'd say, oh, that's the more attractive one, and it would be the one that they took while they were 
practicing Thanksgiving versus the one that, when they were scowling, probably, or something, you know, being negative, being afraid, whatever. Uh, I thought that was funny. But a longer life, they've, they've shown that the, the higher levels of gratitude in a person's life, that, oh, that there are uh, measurable differences about how long they live. You would think so if there's less inflammation and better health. And I can see why my doctor, uh, I, I only went to her a couple of times, but I can see why she said to me that day, about half my patients wouldn't even need to come see me if they could just learn gratitude, learn thanksgiving. Well, let's, uh, let's go to the, the next uh, slide. We're going to talk about these four areas. Uh, it is in the notes. I don't think there's a place in there for you to write the notes. But if you have your phone with you today, I'd love for you to go ahead and open up a note on your phone uh, where you could begin to write down or type in things that you're thankful for today. So if you just open your phone, open a note if you know how to do that, and say Thanksgiving list 2019, and just start you know, listing things that come to your mind while I'm preaching. Holy Spirit, show us things we can be thankful for. By the way, just right now, turn to somebody and tell them at least one thing you're thankful for right now. Just something you're thankful. It could be big, small. I'm thankful for you. I told my daughter. The other day she made uh, my Thanksgiving list. We'll talk about it in a minute. We're going to talk about these things. Practicing prayer of Thanksgiving when all is well. Practicing the prayer of Thanksgiving when all can get better. Practicing the prayer of Thanksgiving when all is lost. And practicing the prayer of Thanksgiving when and why God is good. So we're going to look at each one of those. Let's talk about the first one, and all is well. So some of you are using the Lectio Divina. I think there's about 20 or, or 30 here in the, the church that are using this. Uh, it's a little Bible study plan that we use. Uh, and, and by the way, Mindy and I's website is healthypastors.net, www.healthypastors.net. Uh, but anyway, in, in this... Uh, a couple of years ago, I began to, uh, because I was doing this daily devotional, I began to mark my day out like this. I have uh, five things, after I read Dr. Amen, by the way, <laughs> I think it was in one of his other books, but he was talking about the power of uh, thanking the Lord for three things every day. What he said was, if they, they've shown research, if you just thank the Lord, it might take five minutes for three things a day, you are measurably happier than people who don't do that. So simple, I thought, I can do that. I can thank the Lord for three things a day, and so uh, I, I've now moved it to five. So the first, first year I did three, and then I added it to five. So I mark off a little corner here, and the five things, and then each day I write in the five. So, you know, some days I'll write things about destiny, and I'll say, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that, for that, you know, and I'll just write five things about her. Sometimes it's about one of my other children, uh, or about Mindy, or it's about my job, or it's about, you know, just different things. And So I'll, I'll kind of have themes. Here's the crazy thing. If you do that every day, and I, and I just do this five days a week, five days a week times five things that you're thankful for in one year times 52 is 1,300, I believe, things that you're thankful for. Yes, 1,300 things. You can see how that begins to add up. If we have this propensity toward negativity, it begins to fill our soul with what's good about life. What's glorious, what God's provided. And so there's something very natural about this God's built into us. There's also something supernatural. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But there's a natural side of this where it has a transformative effect on you, believer or not believer. But how much more when it's something God's already said? This is my will. All the time, pray without ceasing. Have this in mind. So, so if you're praying without ceasing, what's that mean? It means any moment of any day you can say, thank you, Lord. So when you do smash your hand you go thank you lord or i love how deb we have to we have to uh we have to break down today thank you lord you know it's like <laughs> you know sometimes we have to sort of will it into being you know it's not all the, the the emotion's not there but you can still begin to thank him and praise him and it can turn into uh truth and many times it's that way uh another thing that um, i've done through the years is I have a, a, another Thanksgiving list in here that has about 130 things listed right now. But these things uh, in this list, which began on 10-14-2009, this particular list has about 130 things, but every one of these almost is something that, a, that an atheist would have a hard time explaining. 
So they're like some sort of weird thing that God did that when, when, when it happened, it's kind of hard to explain other than God. And so I'm gonna, so, so that can be a great practice to have one that not only do you do something every day, but maybe you start some other kind of list that's like a book or a journal or something so that it begins to add up like that, like I talked about earlier about that sort of tsunami of, uh, of, of water that begins to build up and break through. If you start a journal like that, it can, it can be like that. You can, I, I, I go to that notebook when I'm discouraged. I go to that notebook when I think God's not around anymore. When I'm like, hey, God, 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 are you out there, out there, out there? You know, and there are days like that, even for pastors, maybe especially for pastors. I don't know. But there are moments where you're just like, I, I remember, I'm pretty sure I knew God. I'm pretty sure he used to be close to me. But, man, where are you? Are you? Are you? <laughs> you know, and you sort of going through a season uh, those seasons are designed by the Lord sometimes uh, on purpose. God has great purpose in it. There's a lot of books been written about that. St. John the Divine wrote one of the best called The Dark Night of the Soul. But there's some great work about why God sometimes withholds his presence uh, or our knowledge of his presence or our experience of his presence for purposes which generally have to do with us seeking him. You know, you have to have lost something to want us to go find it. And sometimes God, you know, withdraws a bit, so we have to like, oh, I will find God, you know. <laughs> One of the most incredible moments I ever had finding God was like that. It was a financial need. It was crazy. And I went to my office and I said, I'm not leaving my office till I encounter God. And hour after hour after hour of prayer, and I was asking the Lord for a financial miracle. And finally, I, I just had done every kind of prayer. I had praised. I had prayed in tongues. I had thanked the Lord. I had, you know, I sang. I danced. I, I knelt. I, I laid prostrate. I mean, I just was desperate for God. And we were in a desperate situation financially uh, when I was in uh, college ministry years ago. And finally, I sat down in this chair in the middle of my office. And I opened my Bible and I said, God, you just have to provide. And I looked down, and my Bible had randomly opened to Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, and it said, it just jumped off the page. It said, the Lord will provide. It's the place where he tells Abraham at the Isaac, he says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees. And I sat there and I went, you're in the room right now, aren't you? And I fell on my face and I just began to worship. And, I, and I, I won't tell you the story right now, but beginning the next day with a car wreck, God began to provide incredibly, and it sent me to seminary. That's what I had to do with. I was leaving the college ministry. I needed to go to seminary. I had a family, two children, had no money to go to seminary. I just was, and I was desperate for God. And within, within two days of that word, he had provided most of what it took me to go to seminary. That's crazy. I want to talk about the next one. So that's all as well. Just getting those habits, Thanksgiving, those habits of praise, those habits of, of, of recording the things you're thankful for. I, I did hear about one other lady. She, she took a, a $10 worth of pennies and put pennies all over her house because she was stuck at home at that time. She was raising small children. And she said she put pennies in the cupboards, pennies in books, pennies all And so her deal was, Lord, every time I see a penny, I'm going to stop and I'm going to begin to thank you for a while. And so then she had these thousand pennies that she had hidden all over the, the house and it became a thing in her house to, if you find a penny okay it's time to just stop and thank the Lord and she said it was so transformative it took her out of depression and out of a sadness and out of some postpartum into a place of joy uh, let's talk about when things could get better any of y'all fit that category <laughs> things could get better in uh Philippians, did we, in Philippians 4, 4, you know, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's kind of that all the time Thanksgiving. But here he goes on a couple of verses later in chapter, uh, in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything. By the way, I want you to remember that Paul is writing this 
book from jail, and he's writing it to a church that was birthed when he was in jail. I love Philippians. And when he's writing it, he says, I know you guys are concerned, and he says at the beginning of Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know whether I'm going to live or not. I, I don't really know. I'm in a pretty bad circumstance here, but I do want to write you this letter. And he said, so, so this, remember the Philippian jailer is where he's, he's singing and worshiping and thanking, thanking the Lord in the midst of jail, and God does this great miracle, and, all the, and, and the jailer comes to the Lord, his family comes to the Lord, the church at Philippi is planted. Well, now he's writing them a letter later. And he's in another jail, and he's writing them, and he's saying, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And he's not writing because he's not on his yacht or his big airplane, or his, you know what I mean? He's in jail writing this letter. <laughs> and they're like, Paul is so crazy. I love Paul. He goes on to say, be anxious, do not be anxious about anything. Can you have any trouble with anxiety? We have anxiety. Part of it is because of this negativity bias that we have. Uh, the researchers say that for women, the negativity bias ends up in depression and anxiety and uh, uh, sadness. Uh, the, the negativity bias in men tends toward anger, frustration, aggressiveness, escape. But how do we overcome that anxiety? How do we overcome? He says, be anxious about nothing or, or don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication. What, what kind of prayer is supplication? Anybody know? To supplicate means to ask. I, I don't know why we use that crazy word, but <laughs> supplication. Oh, I'm so holy. <laughs> I was supplicating today. <laughs> What, you were asking the Lord for stuff? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so he says, ask the Lord for stuff. You know, ask him for what you need. It's okay to ask for what you need. But he makes a really important point here. He says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And then he goes on to explain a little bit more. He says, uh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ. He's a great promise there. And he says, also, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Guess what? Every one of those would be a category for thanksgiving. You could just take those and go, show me some things today that are beautiful. Oh, Lord, thank you for the mountains. Thank you for the blue skies. Thank you for the clouds. Thank you for my daughter. Thank you. You know, all the beautiful things. Then you could say, okay, what's, uh, what's pure? Lord, thank you for the good, clean water I'm drinking right now. Thank you, Lord, for this healthy, uh, organic food that I'm eating. Lord, thank you for, and so you begin to think of for things that are pure and wonderful. And, and Lord, thank you for, for church and, and godly people. And thank you for, you know, and you just go down that. And so as you fill your heart with thanksgiving, he says, your supplications, you need to ask the Lord for something, but then you've got to match it with, suppl- with thanksgiving. You also need to ask, thank the Lord for the things you've asked for. Remember what it says in Mark, uh, I believe it's 4.22, right? Uh, I believe it is, yeah. 22, yeah. Gosh, I know this verse, but it's not at this moment. Anyway, uh, where he says, he says, when you pray, believe that you have received it. Now, I know that gets abused, and there's people that like think you can like, you know, twist God's arm and make him do stuff he doesn't want to do, and you get to be in charge, not him, and all that kind of crap. We're not talking that crap. In fact, that's so crappy that I almost said a worse word. All right, so (laughs) one that Paul used in Philippians chapter 3, by the way. Uh, It's kind of hidden in the Greek, but he did use it, I promise. He used a word that was only used one other place in all Greek, and it's for human excrement. And he said, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, everything else is human excrement. So this is like that. This is that human excrement of thinking you get to control God. Okay, we don't do that. We pray according to his will. So we, we don't, you know, man, I'm like Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayer. I mean, there's been some things I prayed for that I'm glad I didn't get. Amen? And I'm sure in eternity there'll be a lot more that I don't understand right now that I'm not so happy yet that I didn't get. But I'll someday go, oh, thank you, Lord, that you, had, you knew better than me. All right, but... It, 
But when we pray and we're in partnership with God and we're wrestling with him, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? And you pray and and until he shows you otherwise, go ahead and believe. I don't see him ever rebuking anybody for having too much faith. So go ahead and believe that you've received already what you're asking for. If you're in error and asking it, then you're going to stay open to his correction at some point. Oh, Lord, I didn't quite have that right. I'm glad that you didn't give me that person <laughs> to date, but you gave me that person to date. Whoo! Thank you, God. All right, <laughs> you know, but you know, you go ahead and believe in the in, while you're in that place of prayer. Believe that you have received until He shows you otherwise. That makes sense. Okay, He stays in charge, but you still activate faith. So, how do you activate faith? Thanksgiving. This week, uh, I, I'm wrestling with some things that. Uh, and the Lord reminded me of this earlier this week. And so in my, in my Devo this week, uh, if you were to see my, my five things, on Monday I started asking the Lord for five goals that I have. I said, thank you, Lord, that this goal, this goal, and these are goals that are kind of like two-year goals. It's going to take a while to see whether they happen or not. Uh, and I said, Lord, thank you for this, 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 and this. So then the next day I said, okay, Lord, what am I going to be thankful for today? And I heard him say the same thing as yesterday. And I went, okay. So I reworded them. And I said the same five things kind of in a different way. And so then, uh, so then the next day I said, okay, Lord, what am I thankful for today? And he said, same thing. And I went, oh. So every day this week I ended up thanking him for these same five goals that I've been asking him for. And I heard him say, I want you to, to keep meditating and thanking me for these things that haven't yet come to be yet. But you've asked me for them and you believe that they're my will. And so I, so I just am finding creative ways to sort of, you know, uh, paint the picture in my soul, of where God's taking me. And every day that I do that, it's, it's activating joy. Have you ever had anticipated grief? Do you ever feel the sadness like something's going to happen, but it hadn't even ever happened, and it never does happen? We call that worry, don't we? All right, anticipated grief. We live our lives in so much anticipated grief. He wants us to live our lives in anticipated hope. He wants us to live our lives in anticipated expectation. Okay, so sometimes they don't come to pass. It's okay. It's the same way as anticipated grief. Thank God it didn't come to pass. It wasn't God's will. And you can do that on the positive side, but you went ahead and enjoyed it for six months while you were on your way there, and finally you got, oh, I guess that's not exactly what the Lord wanted. But for six months, I've been enjoying it like it was. (laughs) Right? Why not live there? Why not live in anticipated hope and, and then be okay with every now and then some of those hopes not coming to pass. Rather than living our lives in anticipated grief, and then we go, whew, man, thank God. My daughter never did get on drugs. She's about to go off to Christian college. Oh, God, thank you, you know. I worried every day for all these years. Oh, I wonder, okay. Is she with some boy tonight? What's going on? What's going, you know. <laughs> I realize this might be one of the last chance I get to pick on her in a sermon, so I'll, I'll be honest. She didn't ever cause me much anticipated grief, but a little bit now and then, you know. But then I would try to flip it to Thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that she makes good choices. Lord, I thank you that she knows you. I thank you that you love her. I thank you that your angels are around her. I thank you that, Lord, even though she's, it's midnight and she's not home yet, that she's safe. And I thank you, Lord, that you know <laughs> she's with good people and she goes to church with him. Oh, Lord, I know some of those church people. No, those church boys. No, oh, no, 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 she's good. She's good. I know she's with you. Yeah. So, yeah, so. <laughs> All right. Anticipated grief or God says, this is my will in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in every circumstance. This is God's will for you. Take that negative bias that I built into you to help you survive, but now you've got to flip it by intentionality and move toward thanksgiving, toward praise, toward adoration. How much more time do I have? <laughs> what time does service, what time, I don't even notice, what time does service usually end? Noon, okay, good, we got 15. Two o'clock, okay. All right, we should be done, yeah. Let's go to the next one. Practice prayer when all is lost. We'll look at the verse in a minute. I'll tell you a little bit of the story. So when I was in college, this will make more sense. It's a college story, but it'll make more, more sense uh, because I'm going to bring it up to date. 
It's pretty crazy. So Thanksgiving is not only a natural thing God's built in that transforms us, works for lost people, all that. It's supernatural too. It really is. It does something. It unleashes, especially Thanksgiving when it's more of a gift of faith to the Lord. When it's by faith. When it's requiring, God, I'm not going to look at this. I'm going to look at you. Right? Because it's, it's like the ultimate worship. You're giving him worth that's above whatever you're seeing in front of you. It's worthship. That's where that word comes from, to give him worth, to give him value. To value his words, to value him above all else, it's worthship. And we shortened that down over saying it really fast in English until it became worship. But worthship is, what it, is where we get that word. So how do we value God? Well, Thanksgiving, when things aren't going well, is incredibly powerful. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. My first response always. <laughs> Did you hear my daughter laugh? <laughs> okay, that's the downside of having somebody in my house here. She knows the truth. This doesn't come easy for any of us. When I first began to learn this, I was in college, and I remember I, I'm, I'm reading this book called Confessions of a Happy Christian by Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you ever know that guy. But uh, I was working in a sales job. I was, I was in business college. I was going to college for business. I, I, didn't think I, was, I didn't know I was called to be a pastor or anything yet. But I'm reading this book by Zig Ziglar called Confessions of a Happy Christian. And I'm a brand new Christian myself at the time. And he, at the end of each chapter, he says, learn to, Thanksgiving is, is the most powerful thing. It's God's will. If you'll learn to thank God, you'll have more things to thank him for. And so at the end of each chapter in that book, you had to write like 20 things you were thankful for. So I began practicing this early on. I was about 20 years old. And you know, he talks a lot about, you know, you've got to give thanks in good times and bad times, all the time, in everything, in every circumstance. So I'm beginning to learn this. So I, I, I recruit this team in college to pay my way through college. I, I, I sell books door-to-door in the summertime. It was a tough job, 80 hours a week. But it paid my way through college, paid my wife's way through college. Uh, the second year, I brought a team with me. So I, I have, like, I, like, I'm 20 years old. I don't know how to lead anything. But I have this team, we're called the Agape Air Force, and we're going to sales school. We're going to sales school in Nashville, and so I'm in charge of these guys. I'm a sophomore in college. I'm just a little older than my daughter uh, at that time. And so I, uh, you know, I'm just like in over my head. And so we're driving, we're in eight cars. This is how old I am. We're, we, get, we all have CBs. Breaker, breaker, one nine, breaker, one nine. How do you mean? You know, we're... And so we're in the middle of Arkansas. It's Saturday night. It's raining. I have put on my new credit card that I barely got, you know, you know whatever it would give me credit, you know. Uh, I got a credit card, and I, and I put on my credit card all the hotel rooms in Memphis uh, where we're going to stay that night. And we're on our way through Arkansas. It's about 1030 at night. It's raining. And this one guy has this old clunker of a car. I don't know why I recruited him to go sales with us because his car, the windshield wiper stopped working, the headlights stopped working, he has no power. And so myself and a guy named Andrew Hannon, we get in the car with him because I'm thinking, if, I guess I'm in charge, I'm the boss here. So if we're going to die, I should, I'm supposed to go down with the ship. So I better get in his car and die with him. I'd seen enough Star Trek to know that's how it works. So, uh, you know, Captain whatever Kirk had taught me, you know, you got to, you know, be brave. So I got in car with him. He's a Christian. We're all Christians in the car. We're driving along, and I'm worshiping, worshiping. Andrew's great because Andrew and I both are, you know, we're worshiping. And I, Andrew was somebody I had led to the Lord, and he's super crazy for Jesus, worse than me. And so uh, we're praying, and suddenly I have this instant thought. We need to pull off right here. And I go, Pull off. And so we start pulling off. Everybody's going, breaker, breaker. We're, we're getting off. We're getting off. Okay, oh, we're getting off. All right, we, all right. And all the cars, we all go off. And we go off this highway, and we come up up kind of a hill uh, where there's an overpass. And we stop, and we get out of the car. The car dies. All the other cars stop. We all get out. It's raining, misty rain on all of us. And I say, and they say, and, there, and there's two gas stations that are closed down. It's, it's late Saturday night. They're already closed. There's no lights for a million miles. You know, it's just like, we haven't, there's we, no towns. We know, we, nobody has Google Maps yet. We don't know where we are. And uh, we don't know how to find a station. And, and so, 
they start going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm thinking, I'm in charge. We're going to worship. And I go, come on, Andrew. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And so Andrew and I, we're, we're the crazy charismatic Christians. Most of the people that are along with us are not. And <laughs> there was one guy that was on his way to a Baptist seminary, and he was so angry. He was so angry. He's like, I mean, he, he did not get what we were doing. And he felt like I was being a very bad boss, not being in charge of this, not figuring this out. So anyway, we keep worshiping. And all of a sudden, we haven't seen a car at all. Other, the interstate's down below us down there. But all of a sudden, this car's coming to, across that interstate. And we go, hey! And so as it gets closer, it's a tow truck. And we, we wave him down, and we say, hey, hey, we've got a car that's broke down, and we, we just pulled off here. He goes, this guy's going. And we start explaining all to him, and he goes, this is so weird. This is really weird. <laughs> that's Arkansas, you know, Appalachia. And uh, he said, I was in my bed, and I got a phone call a few minutes ago from the county, and I pick up all the abandoned cars in the county, and I was told if I didn't get out of bed and go pick up an abandoned car on this road down here tonight, I would lose, the, I would lose my contract with the county. So I got out of bed. I'm on my way to go pick this car up, and I go, he said, but after I get this car, I'll come back and, 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 and tow you guys. So I sent all the rest of the people on to Memphis, and me and Andrew and the guy whose car broke down, we, we wait around. He tows us to his barn. We go to the barn. And he, it's a barn on a, farm, on a farm where he keeps his tow truck and stuff. And this guy has a car that was built in 1810 or something. I don't know, a long time ago. And so he goes, it's the alternator. He goes, yeah. He goes, I think this is the one. He goes over and puts it on, fixes the car, starts it back up. We drive on to Memphis. We get there about 1 o'clock in the morning. Everybody else is already there and asleep. And Good leadership on my part. <laughs> How crazy is that? What is the chance of that? I mean, that guy kept going, I don't know what the chance of this is. This is just so weird. <laughs> he said, this is really messing with me. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> We're like, this is the day, this is. I'm telling you, Thanksgiving unleashes things. I put a uh, verse up there, Habakkuk. He says, though the fig tree does not blossom, the fruit's on the vine, there's produce of the olive fails, the fields shield no fruit, the flock is cut off in the fold, there will be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deer. He, he makes me tread on high places. The choir master, uh, he goes on. He's supposed to sing this. <laughs> Jacques knows how to sing it, but I just say it. Obviously, you've heard me singing here a moment ago. You know I should not be singing, but uh, the joy of the Lord. I stood in Israel in a place where a guy said to me, that was pinned right here. And there's a wall, and it looks like just a, a cliff. But you, he goes, get your binoculars and, and look at these binoculars. And there are sheep on this cliff, and you have no idea how they're standing there. He says, we don't even get how these sheep stay on that cliff. But he said, this is probably where Habakkuk was when he was writing that. How these sheep, they look like they should just be plummeting into death. But somehow they're... Their feet are like Heinz feet. They're, they're still standing on the edge of that cliff. Uh, not the edge, but the side of the cliff. They're literally, they're, they've got little tiny pathways, and they're like just leaning up against the cliff, and somehow they're not falling. But when, from the view you're getting of it, it looks like they should be tumbling to the, to the bottom. And so it gave me a great picture. You ever feel like your life's tumbling and falling? And Now, I had an experience not long ago. I was, it, it really wasn't a tumbling moment, but in... May, we were going to speak at Foursquare Convention, 4,000 pastors. Okay, I've never spoke to 4,000 people in one time. Since then, it's been seen by several thousand people. So in a sense, we we're going to speak to four to 8,000 people. And maybe I've had something that video or otherwise has seen by that. Maybe I don't know. But I've never spoke to more than about 1,000, I think, in a particular service. So I was a little worried about it. And 
I woke up, and we were also going to launch HealthyPastors.net, this, this, and we weren't really ready, and we know we still have a lot of work to do on it. And I was feeling very sort of shamed, embarrassed, like I'm not enough. I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this. I don't know what, you know. And I woke up on a Saturday morning feeling really worried about three weeks before we were going to speak at convention. And I said, what? What am I doing? So convention was in Nashville this year. It was four in the morning. I got, I got up and I, I went to my little holy place where I do my devos. 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Do I not get Saturday morning to sleep in? <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> So I'm, I'm wrestling. So Andrew, my friend, Andrew Hannon, the one I told you about, he was in the car with me, dancing around the car and all that. Andrew has a, been a principal his whole life, a school principal. He's nearing retirement, and he uh, lives in San Antonio. So he's a couple of time zones earlier. So it's only 6 a.m. his place. Andrew knows nothing about what I'm about to do at convention. I don't even talk to Andrew once a year or two, every two, you know. I see a message on Facebook or something, you know. I'm sitting there with the Lord, having my devos, and the Lord is just so present. And all of a sudden, I hear my phone, little messenger thing go off. And I look down. And Andrew says, hey, Pat, you remember that time we went to Nashville and God did that crazy miracle with that car? He said, I just wrote a song about that. I want to send it to you. I open it up. And the Lord says, where are you going in a few weeks that you're all worried about? I said, Nashville. He goes, Have I been with you on a trip to Nashville before? I'm thinking, whoa, this is crazy, amazing. Why would my friend write me out of the blue this morning when I'm up at 4 a.m., which is not me, I'm not a morning person, and I'm wrestling over this and the goodness of God. Somehow, all those years ago, he planted an Easter egg, you know, if you know video games, (laughs) that he could mine at a later point on another trip to Nashville. And from that day on, I was like, I'm going to Nashville. This is the day. This is, yeah. And Mindy and I began to just know, God is unleashing stuff in Nashville. We know he's with us. We know when we stand in front of 4,000 people, it is not going to be a bad thing. It's going to be a great thing. And even if it's a bad thing, it'll be a great thing for us. Even if we make a fool of ourselves, even if it's silly or whatever, who cares? God is with us. All of a sudden, it went from anticipated grief to anticipated joy. And I, was, and I was at a place, I'm going to have joy whether I fail, I'm going to have a joy whether it's horrible, whether I fall off the stage, whatever. It's just goodness of God. How powerful is God, amen? I could tell you about, honestly, in this book right here, I probably have 30 or 40 stories like that where Thanksgiving has unleashed things that I can't explain. Atheists would have a hard time explaining. Let's get to the last couple The practice of thanksgiving, when or why, because God is good. You know that saying, hey, God is good. What? God is good. What? God is good. Romans 8.28. He works everything together for good. It's another one of those places where it's not exceptions. It's not. He works it all together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So because of that promise, neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers, he goes on to say later in that chapter, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And the love of God has goodness in my life. The love of God has power in my life. I was with my grandmother uh, just before she died, and she was the sweetest, amazing Christian I ever, I've ever known. I mean, probably the reason I'm a believer. I was not someone, in high school, I had a 1.6 GPA. I was 566 in my class of 600. Uh, I was the bottom of the barrel. I was a drug dealer. Destiny, you weren't listening to any of that, were you? Okay, and then uh, the goodness of God. My grandmother was praying for me. She kept praying and praying. She was thanking the Lord that I was probably going to be a pastor. (laughs) 
Although I see him taking drugs. I bet he's going to be a pastor. Lord, help him. So I see her. I see her the day before she dies. I'm in the hospital with her. Uh, my, her mother, has, her, her mom's name was uh, Chamberlain. And uh, my mom said, my mom, who's now 91, and I'm going to see her in a, couple, a few weeks. But anyway, she, my mom said to my grandmother, you look, like, you're, you look a lot like Grandma Chamberlain. Because my mom remembered Grandma Chamberlain near death, you know. And my grandmother said, she had this look in her eyes because she loved to travel. She had this look in her eyes like she was on her way to Paris. And she said, I'm getting ready to go see Grandma Chamberlain. I mean, talk about holy ground. And she goes, I'm getting ready to go see Jesus. So here she was. She'd had cancer for a couple of years. Her body was frailed up, nothing left. She's right on the edge. There's only a ghost of life still left in her physical body. She's practicing Thanksgiving. She's like so excited about the journey into death that she looks like she's got tickets to France. It, it rocked my life. It stayed with me all these years. It's been one of these things where I, I think, I want to be like Grandma Williamson. She had anticipated joy, not grief. She had anticipated glory. Even at the point where there's nothing to thank him for except for him. That's called adoration. In the end, you know what? This life's pretty short. It's only take it's a couple days, it's gone, man. I'm 61 today. A couple days ago, I was 21 on the way to Nashville. I mean, I was. It was like a day before yesterday. And so for Andrew and I, when we see that that morning, and we were remembering it like, oh, yeah, that was like yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. And so this, I mean, if I got from 21 to 61 this fast, let me see. If I go from 61 to, oh, crap. <laughs> Sorry, daughter. I may not be around forever. This life's really short. It doesn't, you know, comes and goes. Things we hang on to here, they, they, a lot, much ado about nothing for the most part. But to know him to live in eternity, to live, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I love Psalm 103. He says, don't forget any of his benefits. He lists them there. But what I love is he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless his name. It's like take authority over my brain, over my body, over my mouth. I may not feel it yet, but I can say, thank you, God, we have to break down today. Thank you, God, we have to break down today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hi, I'll probably meet somebody. It'll probably be cool. Who knows? Could, God could do some cool stuff. You know, I'll be a little, you know, and all of a sudden it goes from just forceful thanksgiving because of who he is till it becomes real. I promise you, you, you can practice this. You can make your lips move and say good things. You can make your brain list things no matter how you're feeling. And begin to list things you're thankful for. You begin to feel, fill a journal with things you're thankful for. You can begin to say to one another, bless the Lord to one another. God is so good. God is good. Man, there's a lot of things I don't understand right now, a lot of things we're facing, but I'm going to thank the Lord, oh my soul. Because there are some benefits. I'm forgiven. He's healed me. He's done great things in our life. So I don't know how this other stuff's going to turn out, but however it turns out, God is with us. Amen?